It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Friday, January 4th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today we're talking about activist burnout and why it's so important for organizers to take care of themselves, especially under Trump. In the Trump era, many see activism as more vital than ever. Longtime organizers are still fighting the good fights, but also lots of first-timers are jumping in too. And in both cases, the work can be grueling and the stakes are high. So what happens when it takes a toll on your physical, mental, and emotional health? I sat down with Broadly writer Marie Solis to find out. So, Marie, in your article, you wrote about a concept called activist burnout. What is that? So if we're going to talk about activist burnout, I feel like it's important to talk about what regular burnout is. Burnout is a term that was first coined in the early 70s by this German-American psychologist named Herbert Freudenberger. He defined burnout as a state of mental and physical exhaustion caused by one's professional life. So when he started studying burnout and defining this term, he was focusing on social workers, people who worked in emergency services and hospitals. And so he was studying this really intense, you know, as you said in your introduction, emotional, physical, mental toll that these people's work had taken on them. And those things still apply to activist burnout, but they can be very specific. There are a few features of activist work that make it unique from just any job that you're going to. Activists are trying to dismantle these huge systems of oppression. And often when your ultimate goal is to dismantle these systems, you are encountering failure a lot. So one thing that can lead to activist burnout is, you know, instead of you you go to work, you have concrete goals, you have a boss who is helping you meet those goals, maybe you can kind of see what success is and you can achieve some successes, even if your job is really stressful and frustrating in a lot of other ways. But for activists, success can seem really far off. And along the way, you're encountering a lot of failure that makes you feel really cynical about your mission and makes it feel impossible. And that can be really wearing. And I think that's one of the most prevalent effects of activist burnout that I heard from the people that I spoke to, that when you're just stuck in this daily routine of organizing and planning You're navigating people who have a lot of different ideas about how you're achieving this ultimate goal. There are complicated politics. People have different visions. And a lot of the time, the work 
of an activist feels really detached from what that ultimate goal is. So it's a really complex matrix of things that makes activist burnout really specific. You know, your article talks about burnout specifically under Trump. And I mean, burnout has existed for activists for as long as people have been organizing. Activism is always a hard job. It's grueling in a lot of ways. And, you know, you're often not getting paid a lot to like go take vacations when you feel exhausted. And the work can be very personal. And as you said, the stakes are really high. And while activists have been experiencing those challenges forever, some of that feels sort of ratcheted up right now under Trump. And a lot of activists are starting to talk about burnout and how to take care of yourself when you feel like you're kind of being attacked from every angle and you're fighting different battles on every front. So I'm curious if any of the activists that you talked to spoke about things that they've learned from older activists or people who've been organizing pre-Trump and if they've learned anything from kind of looking back and understanding how to take the long view. Mm -hmm. I think that one way activists try to cope with activist burnout is by taking a longer view to their, their work. You're not always going to see the immediate impact of this daily slog that you're in the midst of. Another way I've seen activists deal with this is by reframing their mindset when, as we were saying, like there's something on every front. If, you know, there's some other huge event that's really upsetting, instead of feeling defeated by it preemptively, I think that and this is something that activists are naturally good at, they can see it as an organizing opportunity and just kind of reframing and rephrasing the approach to that, I think is something that can help. I also think that, you know, I I kind of worried as I was writing this story that it made activist work sound extremely depressing. And it's something I was talking with my editor about, I have a lot of friends who do activist work and devote large amounts of time to activism and protest. And I know, you know, they're not walking around thinking, I hate this. This is awful. I'm so sad all of the time, though it may be hard. And so something I wanted to emphasize in the piece is that one of the major ways that activists cope with burnout is just through using each other as a support system and really building community. And I think that a lot of activists do know that they're not going to see the immediate effects of their work, but the way that they do see it is just in kind of looking around. Who has come into their movement? What new connections have they made? How have they reached across, uh, you know, different activist groups and communities to build power. And I think that that's something that we have been seeing a lot lately in terms of how people are approaching activism in the Trump era. Right. So recently, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez posted on her Instagram that she was taking a short break upstate in an effort to prevent burnout. And she was posting 
all about the signs of burnout and the importance of self-care. And she really took her followers, as as she does, kind of along on her journey to educate herself on this topic. Um, But I'm curious, like under Trump in general and because of people like Ocasio-Cortez, do you feel like this concept of activist burnout is becoming more accepted and just more talked about? Yeah, I do. I think it's interesting because people see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez as someone who's tireless. You know, she shows us these shoes that she's been campaigning with. They have holes worn in them. She is doing these Instagram stories, making instant ramen, you know, late at night and still talking about policy. So I think for her to say, you see me doing all of this stuff. I'm working around the clock. But listen, this is the real deal. I'm exhausted and I need some time off. I need to take time for myself. I'm not eating well. I'm not doing the things that I used to do to take care of myself. She has a very large platform. And so it does send a message to people who do activist work or have aspirations to running for office that it's okay to take a break. And even if you're a member of Congress, maybe you'll actually, you know, maybe taking care of yourself is part of serving your constituency. So it seems like there is kind of a a broader cultural shift happening in activist communities where burnout and self-care are being more openly talked about and even like kind of integrated into the practice of organizing. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? One of the essential things that leads to activist burnout is this culture of martyrdom that often can arise in activist circles. So this is something one of the researchers who I spoke to, Paul Gorski, this is something he brought up that sometimes among activists, it's almost like a race to see who can stretch themselves the thinnest and almost burn themselves out the fastest. Like it becomes, it can become a kind of badge of honor to run yourself into the ground. And what Gorski found in his research is that the people who are burning out weren't just taking a break sitting out a few protests and then coming back a few months later to their activist communities, they were leaving activism and leaving their movements, which is a really big problem, especially in the Trump era where people view activism as a really essential way to push up against, you know, some of the most draconian measures of of the Trump agenda. So I think that, to to answer your question, I think that people are recognizing that running yourself into the ground isn't sustainable. And if they want to build lasting movements and really use this moment where more people are entering activist movements, they have to start being more open and honest about how they're feeling, when they need a break, when they're feeling burned out. And also building systems and networks within their communities for self-care. Because another problem Gorski pointed out is that people often look outside of their activist communities for help if they do seek help at all uh, for burnout. But often 
people outside of their communities can't really understand kind of the full scope of what they're dealing with and that it's actually most effective if there are these networks of support within the communities themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. So many activists, you know, not not exclusively, but many activists are organizing around issues that have directly impacted them or at least directly impact their loved ones. And part of that work specifically is often having to kind of confront your own very painful experiences sort of every day in order to make change and in order to organize around those issues. So I'm wondering, is there kind of a compounding effect here in terms of burnout that happens, you know, particularly to marginalized communities who are the most affected by the issues that people are organizing around? Definitely. And this is something Gorski really wanted to emphasize in our conversations. And this is where his research is really focusing next. All of these effects of activist burnout we've been talking about are really much more pronounced for women, for people of color, for women of color, for anyone who comes from a marginalized group, because often, you know, activist communities aren't perfect spaces where racism and sexism, ableism don't exist. So often people from those groups who are coming to activist communities are facing the same kinds of marginalization that they may be fighting, you know, in the wider world in their work. So that can be extremely difficult for them and add another layer of activist burnout for them. And additionally, a lot of people come to activist work because they themselves have experienced some kind of trauma. Maybe they've been a victim of police brutality or someone in their family has or they've lost someone to police violence or, you know, they're a victim of sexual assault. Uh, so the issues that activists are fighting for are often very personal and can end up kind of recapitulating whatever traumas they're experiencing themselves. In addition to introducing this idea of vicarious trauma, which I, I just mentioned very briefly, but, you know, you're being exposed to really intense trauma that other people are experiencing. And even if you yourself haven't experienced that trauma, you're still susceptible to feeling the stress and anxiety and depression and all of those emotions along with the people who you're serving and advocating for. So lastly, what are some of the people that you spoke to for this piece doing to, to deal with and to combat their own burnout? So one person I spoke to is this longtime activist, Victor Nato, and he provides these workshops for activists. And not even just activists, he at the time that I wrote this article, one of the most recent workshops he'd done was for a group of lawyers who take on, I believe, immigration cases uh, and are really swamped in the Trump era. And he teaches them a lot of basic things that they can integrate into their everyday routines. So deep breathing exercises, meditation. He also helps connect them to therapists and other resources who are people who were also activists or still are activists. And sometimes he will kind of just 
create like a listening circle where it gives people space to feel comfortable being honest about feeling burned out. He's really about giving people tools that they can use every day. Some people I spoke to were on vacation and they said that that's actually really rare that that's something people would feel comfortable doing is actually just going on vacation. So I think that that obviously not everyone has the ability to do that. But, you know, taken all together, it seems like there is kind of a small movement happening where, you know, people are trying out different ways to combat this and finding out what works for them and what works for their communities. You can read Marie's full article at broadly.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.